The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what I did was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Well, well, well. Welcome to a fun, fun recap show. I can already tell it's going to be fun. It hasn't even started yet. I know we're going to have fun because it was a really interesting and exciting day of football and fantasy football as well. Adam Azer, Heath Cummings, Dave Richard here on Fantasy Football Today. And if you're watching live on YouTube, hello, youtube.com slash fantasy football today. If you are listening to the podcast, hope you're having a wonderful night or a pleasant morning. We're going to do the good, the bad, and the ugly for week three to start the show. Here we go. The good in week three was what? What comes to mind? The good. Uh, The good was seeing some good from players who we hadn't seen good numbers from yet this year. James Robinson, for example, basically owned the Cardinals on a drive, had 66 yards on one drive with a touchdown. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Caught a touchdown in the red zone. Remember how we were saying all along, well, he's not playing in the red zone and he's not getting targets. He's going to be a bum. Well, he did both on one play and it came out with a touchdown. He also ran for 100 yards. It was good to see some players who we were starting to get a little nervous about come through with a big game. Mark Andrews is another one. Chase Claypool is another one. There were guys Excuse that were me. good. When do you like, give the Saquon Barkley a little respect here? I think he should be on this list, Dave. All right, all right. We've all already right. got him in Believe It or Not. We've got him in Winners and Losers. I'm sure he's got a buy still. <laughs> no, I, just, I, want, I didn't want to put the, show. the Giant. I didn't want to put the Giant in here because I knew the Giants fan, who's secretly an Eagles fan, would uh, <laughs> would go crazy. I didn't want. I, no. Whatever. I didn't Dave, want you got it backwards. To I'm an Eagles fan who's secretly a Giants fan. Heath, we got to talk. We talked about the good. What was the bad in Week Three? The Jets. <laughs> no, no, no. I said the bad, not, not the, the ugly. ugly. Uh, we don't I mean, there's the nothing ugly. more bad than the Jets scoring zero points, and it, it's just disgusting. I, Everything about it. Nothing's changed. I raised you the Bears. No. Yeah. That, that, that was gross, too. Um, yeah, least, there was just some really awful offense today. Nobody's starting the Jets, you know? Oh, Justin I think lots of people started Corey Davis. Uh, oh, sorry. I don't think so. Justin Fields was sacked nine times and pressured on 55% of his dropbacks, according to NFL Next Gen stats. Wow. Uh, Corey Davis started in 14% of leagues. All right, that, that was going to be my my nominee for the ugly was the Bears. Anything else? What was the ugly today? Jonu Smith was really, really ugly. One out of six targets he caught. One of the other targets he threw to a defender, almost like a lateral, caught it in his hands and just handed it right to him. It reminded me of the Kalen Balaj play from a couple of years ago. Um, <laughs> John O. Smith was really, really ugly. Okay. Well, there you go. That's a little intro to Fantasy Week 3. Today on the show, we'll go through the big injury news. Uh, A.J. Brown, obviously, was a dud left in the first quarter. Unfortunately, hamstring injury. was I shouldn't say he was a dud. He got hurt. Hopefully, he's Okay. Um, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett both were shaken up. Lockett appears to have avoided serious injury, which 
is a big sigh of relief. It did not look like that was going to be the case. Uh, we may have gotten out of this week without a lot of serious injuries. And good news on McCaffrey, which we'll tell you about in a moment. Join our Facebook group, Search Fantasy Football Today on Facebook, or click on the link in the description to chat with other fantasy fans. Ask, start, sit questions, talk through trade ideas, and much more. Do you have any overall takeaways? Uh, you know, Dave, I thought you had a you know, good, good note that you hit there with the underperforming players getting on the scoreboard and having good games. I, I give, I'll give you guys some time to think, and I'll, I guess I'll just sure. start. I mean, there, there's oh, more. Right, there, are, there are three quarterbacks that also belong on the list of guys who were bad that ended up being good, and we can feel good about starting them again. Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill did it in his own goofy Tannehill style. But Josh Allen did it in his style circa 2020, and it was really incredible. The Washington defense, dude, I thought that they would end up being one of the better units in football. They looked terrible all game long. Josh Allen looked like his old self. He felt com- he looked comfortable. I think he said after the game that he felt really good. So uh, exciting to see that. And Herbert had just he had he had lost so many numbers because of penalties being called back and because of touchdowns. Uh, well, the touchdowns were probably that, but drops as well. More of that happened today. Two more penalties today cost him a touchdown, cost Keenan Allen a 30-yard reception. So eventually he's going to have like one of those perfect days where he ends up with like 45 fantasy points. It'll be amazing. But he did good enough against Kansas City to show that he's absolutely worth the pick that you took him with and worth starting, no questions asked, for the most part. It depends on who else you have on your team moving forward. I thought today was just another reminder that we we should not use uh, he's got to share too much as an argument against number two running backs because we've got like five backs right now that are not sharing. Jonathan Taylor is sharing a lot more than we want him to. Nick oh Chubb is sharing a lot more than we want him to. I mean, it, it's just there's so many committees and it's so frustrating. Josh Jacobs goes down and we're all excited about Kenyon Drake and Peyton Barber runs for 111 yards and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. The Ravens situation. Oh my gosh. Oh, it's no. like oh. it's not. Don't. The, sure. I don't get. If you that. want to make an I argument against leave the guy a flaming bag back? of dog poo on John Harbaugh's part. <laughs> if you want, if you want to argue against the running back not having top five upside because he's in a committee, maybe that's true. I don't. I don't know. I think DeAndre Swift's probably going to be a top five running back for the season after this week, and and he has to give up forty five percent of his touches. Uh and that's why I couldn't believe the start percentage for Alexander Madison. It was only about 50, 56% or something like that. Well, do you remember the last time people got excited about starting Alexander Madison? But everybody yeah. forgets week 17. Week 17, he had a huge game. He had well over 100 yards. I think he scored two touchdowns. Um, yeah, and he had 27 touches in this game. He was a total league winner, or week winner, I should say. Um, yeah, I, I, look, running back's tough. There were some pretty good running back performances today. But it's tough to find a workhorse, that's for sure. So if you're a Barkley manager, you got to be encouraged by that. At least you know he's the workhorse. Um, although he did come, he did come up looking like he was injured at least three times in that game. It was really like hold your breath with Saquon Barkley. My one, my big takeaway is uh, there's only one Travis Kelsey. This is now two disappointing games in a row for Darren Waller, who's the second best receiving tight end in football. Hawkinson was horrible today. Kyle Pitts was horrible against the, what should have been a good matchup. Andrews back back in you know back in the good graces, but he's had two disappointing games. Kittle's had two one disappointing game, one game where he was fine, and he plays tonight. Uh, yeah, there's only one Travis Kelsey. He's he's incredible. 
All right, uh, the big news. Tyler Lockett hurt his knee, and DK Metcalf was shaken up in the fourth quarter very late in that game. Unless it's a... I hope it's not a concussion or anything, obviously, but it looks like we've avoided serious injury there for Lockett and Metcalf. Lockett played on the final drive, too. Oh, okay. I did not even see that. And he walked without a limp after the game. Like, reporters were talking to him. He seems fine. All right, good, good. A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, on the other hand. A.J. Brown, hamstring injury in the first quarter. And then Julio, what happened with Julio Jones? They were limiting his work at the end? I don't know. It was weird. He did not play uh, all that much down the stretch. How many passes did they throw down the stretch? I don't, I they, don't know. Because they were playing with the lead in the fourth quarter. I, I don't think Julio is probably going to do a lot of run blocking um, in that situation. I wonder okay. if that had more to do with it. Maybe. All right, Dave, see if you can find out their game. I got it. Tannehill threw eight passes in the fourth quarter. Julio played, according to what I'm looking at, zero snaps in the fourth quarter. Okay, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it. Uh, James White left with an injury. It's a hip injury, and that one might be serious. We'll have to see. Rob Gronkowski, though, he x-rays were negative on his ribs. He was able to come back. Giants had some bad, bad luck today. Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard go out in the first quarter, both of them with hamstring injuries, and maybe their best defensive player, Blake Martinez, he left on the opening drive as well. Quentin Nelson is where, you know, we just talked about Jonathan Taylor. He's splitting too much. Well, now he's lost Quentin Nelson to a high ankle sprain. His all-pro offensive guard. Juju Smith-Schuster left with a hip injury in the third quarter. The yards between Juju and Claypool were pretty even before the injury. Claypool tacked on a lot of fantasy points after the Juju injury. Mm-hmm. And good news, uh, Jason Lockenfora reporting this morning. There's grade one hamstring strain, grade two, grade three. Uh, a, a source said it's like a grade 0.5 hamstring strain for C- Christian McCaffrey. So it it's doesn't kindergarten. Seem like, yeah, there you go. So it doesn't seem like uh, he'll be out for all that long, and he's still not on IR. All right, overall, we've seen much worse weeks, so we're thankful for that. Yeah. Let's do some buy or sell. Buy or sell. Kirk Cousins will be better than Russell Wilson rest of season. It's a sell, yeah. but... Uh, he's going to be pretty good. I want to amend it. Defense still hasn't been able to put it all together, and Cousins just is loving what he's got at receiver. You can tell. Yeah, I want to change it because yeah, when I wrote that originally, I was expecting an absence for Lockett. Kirk Cousins, buy or sell, has entered the fantasy elite. No, you mean sell. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say that I do not believe that one. Um, but he's he got a is, chance. To. He's definitely. I don't. If he does, it will be in a way that next year we're saying, yeah, but he can't repeat that. Like, yes, any <laughs> quarterback could have a nine percent touchdown rate and average nine yards per attempt over sixteen games. We saw Aaron Rodgers do it last year. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it happens occasionally, but it's not like it's. Cousins is not, I don't think, going to do the things that are sustainable that would make him part of that elite tier. Does that make sense? Is well, that, yeah. So he has a nine percent touchdown yeah. rate. No, oh, no, I just made that number. Oh, oh it's six point seven percent through three games. Six point seven percent touchdown rate, which, as Heath will tell you, is still very high and tough to sustain. His yards per attempt is seven point seven. He's completing almost 74% of his passes. I can tell you that that's very tough to sustain. And uh, he's only been sacked five times. And that's without his offensive line being at full strength. 
I, I so, might. If you had said Kirk Cousins would be better than Aaron Rodgers rest of the season, I might have believed that. Yeah, well. Better, better than Ryan Tannehill, I might have believed that. Okay, but bottom line, he's 81% owned, a roster rather, and even in 10-team leagues, you got to have Kirk Cousins. He's th- This is going back to the last eight games of last year, too. He was sensational, and he's keeping it up. And Adam Thielen just always catches a touchdown. All right, buy or sell. This was actually a concerning game for Antonio Gibson. Gibson had 12 carries for 31 yards, but he had a 73-yard touchdown catch. Buy or sell. This was actually a concerning game for Antonio Gibson. I'll buy it. Ooh, all right. Yeah, debate. Fight. Go ahead, Heath. This Bills defense has been so good that had Antonio Gibson had a bad game against them, he'd pretty much have just been like most of the other running backs they've played and most of the running backs I would expect they will play. The Bills score a ton of points and put you in a position where you have to throw a lot, and they're good defensively. So the fact that he had a bad game, I wouldn't have held against him. You got the bonus of the long touchdown catch. The long touchdown catch is the cologne that's covering up the stink that (laughs) is the Washington offense in general with Taylor Heineke under center. And coming out of this game, he only has six plays of 10-plus yards. That's rushing or receiving. He's not dominating playing time. He's not working on third downs. I don't believe – I can double-check at him, but I don't think he played on a single third down. But these things were true last week. Yeah, he played on a few third downs last week. He wasn't good last week, but we just kind of said, oh, he's fine. You know, this week he had the same number of targets. I think there's an opportunity to sell high. Let me look at his schedule. Okay, no, I got his schedule now, and and it's it's really interesting. Schedule is actually no, interesting. It's bad for him, I think, because Atlanta next week is Atlanta next week. Sure, sure, but New Orleans, it appears, has a very good run defense. Somehow, I'm still jury's still out, in my opinion. But so far, they've been good. You talk about teams. If he gets in a bad game, game script against teams that score a lot of points, he's got Kansas City, Green Bay. Then he's at Denver. They're tough. Then a bye. Then Tampa Bay. So, and and the thing is, it's just annoying that with with Antonio Gibson that we even have to talk about his schedule. That is not the way people drafted Antonio Gibson to think that game script matters so much. He played fifty eight percent of the snaps. No third downs on Sunday. McKissick forty six percent of the snaps. Yes, there were some plays where they were both playing. And all of the third downs went, obviously, McKissick's way. Uh, that schedule is ugly coming up. And Brandon Scherf did, I think he stayed in the game, but I, at one point he ran into a wall and, like, had to leave for a little bit. Something just flew into my eye. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I would start laying the groundwork for a Gibson trade after next week. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, all right, buy or sell. We are sitting Robert Woods until further notice. Are you kidding me? What? Why? <laughs> like, at least change the wording of the tweet when you copy and paste from Twitter <laughs> into your notes. I, I swear I had no idea. Before the show that I'm going to write about the next morning so that we can talk about them on the show and we can have poll results during the show. You didn't say and that to literally me. literally just copied and pasted one of the tweets off of Twitter into the notes. I did not see it. I had no idea. I'm sorry. What are people on Twitter saying? Just 29 minutes ago, Robert Woods is a sit until further notice. <laughs> I the didn't say that. words of the tweet. I said we are sitting Robert Woods until further notice. Okay, so you did change the words a little bit. Yeah. 60% said yes. 34% said they do not believe it. Um, I mean, I think we do so many leagues that are – PPR and three wide receivers that that maybe jades me a little bit. 
in those leagues, no, I don't think Robert Woods is a sit. I don't think there's 36 wide receivers that you can feel good about starting over Robert Woods next week. So in those leagues, I'm still going to sit him. If it's a non-PPR league where you only start two wide receivers, he's absolutely a sit. Dave? Um, As of now, the answer is yes. I'd like to do a little bit more research to see just what the heck's going on and what are teams doing? Are we looking at the teams trying to take away Robert Woods for three weeks? I mean, at some point, someone's going to say, we should probably cover number 10 for LA. (laughs) Yeah. So... I, I can't help but think that it's eventually going to turn around for Robert Woods and he's going to be fine for fantasy. This is a buy low opportunity, I think, because people are going to start saying, I can't handle this guy in my lineup. He's a sinkhole and uh, they'll give him up for someone halfway decent. Would you rather have Marquise Brown or Robert Woods rest of season? Woods. I think I'm going to say Woods too. Okay. We, do, we, we do need to remember that the schedule is going to improve greatly for L.A. I don't think he's going to go all year without a touchdown or without a 100-yard game or anything like that. They play Arizona next week. They're at Seattle this, after they, that. This was the case, I mean, but this was part of that, you know? And sure. and they lost Jamel Dean in their secondary today, the Bucs. So, and Stafford had a huge game. But I, I, if, if I'm concerned about anything, guys, it's that Deshaun Jackson and Van Jefferson... And Higby, they're giving them something. You know, I mean, they're, maybe they're not going to be consistent every week, but it's not a thin receiving core. It's not just Cup and Woods by any means. It's pretty, pretty deep receiving core, I'd have to say. He doesn't have more than, what, 12 or 13 PPR points in a game yet this year? 11. I know he scored in week one. And he had oh, nine targets yeah. last week. Twelve. Uh, he, had, he had 12 in week one. 11 or 12, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh all right, so so you said Woods over Brown. I'll give you one more. Would you rather have... Oh, man, I offered Mike Williams for Robert Woods in one league last week. Thank goodness that didn't get accepted. Would you rather have... Uh, oh, uh, Miles Gaskin or Robert Woods? I think I'm ready well, to say Woods. I'm probably going to say Woods as well. All right. B- uh, buy or sell. <laughs> Stefan Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins... <laughs> And Tyree, how, how much more copying of Heath are you going to do? Stephon Diggs, DeAndre Before Hopkins. This podcast is over. You're going to be drinking beer. <laughs> All right, one more time. Diggs, Hopkins, and Tyreek Hill are not the elite fantasy wide receivers we thought they were. Buy or sell? Sell. Buy on Hopkins. Not on Diggs and Hill. I'm not quite ready on Diggs yet. I'm definitely not ready on Hill yet. Um, but I'm, I'm a little bit concerned with like, this is what I was afraid Cliff Kingsbury was going to do when Hopkins first went there. So maybe that's why I'm more concerned about it after it happened for three weeks, but they really are behaving as if they think they've got four wide receivers and they can just throw it to whoever you're not covering. Yeah. Yeah. And Edmonds. And yeah, they can throw it to chase Edmonds at least until you get to the 10 yard line. And then it's James Conner time. Hopkins or Kyler Murray time. Hopkins and Green are tied for the team lead in targets. A.J. Green tied for the team lead in targets with Hopkins. It just feels weird to say that. Uh, Kirk Cousins, or Kirk Cousins, Christian Kirk and Chase Edmonds are right behind them with 17 targets each. Well, how many do how many do Hopkins, how many do Hopkins and Green have? 18. So okay. two with 18, two with 17, one with 15. Heath's right. This is one that you can buy, is that Hopkins just isn't going to get that monster target share that made him amazing in 2020. And he's already beat up this year. 
I don't know if that means that we're going to relegate him to a number two fantasy receiver so fast. He might be a low end one, but there's mm-hmm. there there's concern that he won't be able to be at what you drafted him to be. How about uh, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, or DeAndre Hopkins? Would you move the Bucks guys over him? Yeah, maybe. Yes, I had. Um, I would because I know this week I had Godwin five, Evans twelve, and then Hopkins fourteen. Um, now maybe not when Antonio, I guess that's not, that's, I'm not sure I would actually, I take it back because Antonio Brown's coming back next week. Mm-hmm. All right. Last sure. one here, guys. Last those, those guys, Godwin had 18 targets after week two. Evans had 15 targets after week two. So as many targets as Godwin had after week two is how many Hopkins has through three weeks. Now those guys, Godwin and Evans are tied with 25 targets each. I mean, Brown will come back and there will be some dud games for them, but we're experiencing some dud games for Hopkins. I'll take the Bucks receivers. And I'm taking back what I said about Hopkins being a low-end one. He'll have some low-end one weeks, but he's a wide receiver too now. Wow, okay. Uh, last one. I want to do this one quickly here because we have so much show to get to. Uh, you tell me. I was going to say, you never know when to start any of the following players, but I'm going to give you five players, and I want you to tell me if you feel like any of them are... None of them, I think, are going to be must-starts just based on when they were drafted. But any of them are solid, dependable, reliable players rather than just unpredictable, I hope we pick the right week. DJ Chark has caught a touchdown in two of three games, had a dud in week two, and uh, 49 yards this week. DJ Chark, Kareem Hunt, Naheem Hines, Jamal Williams, J.D. McKissick. Now, four of those five, I would say, have had two good games. McKissick has had one. Chark, Kareem Hunt, Naeem Hines, Jamal Williams, J.D. McKissick. Do any of those five feel dependable to you? Yes. Uh, I would start Kareem Hunt every week, rain or shine. He scores frequently, even with Nick Chubb on the field. This week was an example of that. He did score against Chicago. The yardage that comes with it is going to fluctuate wildly. There's going to be a lot of games where he gets you 40 yards total with a touchdown, and the occasional game where it's 40 yards without a touchdown. But as, as, as Heath alluded to at the beginning of the show, there are so many timeshares across the league. It's literally almost every single team at this point that when you've got a really good 1B running back that you can put in your lineup and you know that they're going to get 10 touches minimum pretty much every week and they have a good track record of scoring, and those are pretty good reasons to start somebody, that running back. And I, and I think Jamal Williams is pretty much Kareem Hunt. He's not near as talented. But that Lions offensive line is good, and it's going to get better as the season goes on. And DeAndre Swift failed on a short yardage carry, and Jamal Williams succeeded on a short yardage carry. So I think that there's a better chance we'll see more short yardage carries for Jamal Williams. He's still getting a few catches. But for the most part, just to go back to the way you had originally phrased this, you're not going to know when to start these guys. I know exactly when to start these guys, and it has nothing to do with them. I start these guys when the guys that I want to start aren't available. These yeah. are the perfect guys to have as the, the the first man up on your bench. And when something goes wrong with anyone else, you just slide them into your lineup. And no, you don't. They're not reliable. You don't know yeah. for sure, but they have a good opportunity to fill in in a in a reasonable manner, like m- most of them did today. All right, we're gonna take a break in a little bit, and we're gonna do some uh, some news and notes, early waiver wire, uh, winners losers, recap the games. But we did want to take some time to talk about Mike Tagliere. And what I've really noticed over the last couple of days is uh, the fantasy community is very close-knit. And, you know, it's built so much on social media. So we all just seem to, you know, everybody's pretty much met 
most of the people in the industry and interacted with them. And I unfortunately didn't get to speak too much with, with Mike throughout the years. And for those of you who don't know, um, Mike passed away Friday night due to complications from COVID-19. Uh, he was fantasy pros, podcaster, writer, and just amazing analyst. I encourage everyone to listen to the podcast. They recorded the fantasy pros podcast this morning, honoring him, the three guys on the show talking about their experiences with him. But, uh, it's been a really sad weekend and I was just, uh, just sick to my stomach yesterday. It just seems just awful and so unfair. And our hearts go out to uh, his family. Obviously there is a GoFundMe campaign that if you'd like to contribute to, um, maybe we can put that up in, in our YouTube, uh, right now, but you can find it on Twitter. Uh, and anyway, uh, I know you guys have had the chance to interact, had the chance to interact with Mike as well. And, um, you know, I thought he was just such a really cool, down-to-earth, humble, great guy, and I always wanted to hang out with him and never got the chance. Uh, I'm certainly going to miss him, but Dave, uh, if you wanted to say anything about tags. Mike reached out to me, uh, I don't remember the year, it was in like 2015 or so, sent a really nice email. Uh, I'm an investment banker, but I want to chase my dream. I'm realistic. I know it's going to take a while for me to get to where I want to go, but I want to be a fantasy football writer. And like you, I'm from Chicago. I love football. I love Chicago-style pizza. Um, what advice can you give me? Can you help me? And uh, that that started what was a, a, you know, a solid relationship with Mike. I'm not going to sit here and say that we were best buds. We met a couple times at the King's Classic in Canton, Ohio. Um, never awkward talking with him. He was very chill. He was very easy to talk to. We had many DM conversations on Twitter. That's probably where we talked the most. And uh, I said it on HQ today. To know him was to love him. He was exactly, he, he came off as friendly and everything that he did from his tweets to his primer column to everything else. And he was just like that in real life. Um, it was great that, you know, that, that's how most of us are, to be honest. Yeah. You know, it's not like we're acting here and then we go home and we're, we're jerks or whatever. Um, but he believed in the power of positivity. He believed in chasing his dreams and he did it. And he was a, you know, successful fantasy football analyst. And I was kind of jealous of him because he had this amazing column where he wrote a huge chunk of content on every single player, every single week. I have a hard time finding the time to write a modest size paragraph on 30 players every single week. So it was incredible they did it. And when I talked to him about it, the very first thing he said was, I've got a very patient and loving wife who's willing to let me have the time I need to do this. And she absolutely encouraged him to chase the dream. The other thing I'll tell you about Mike, and, and I kind of already said it, is that he was a very nice guy. And so if there's two lessons that you can take with you from Mike Tagliere's life, it's number one, be a dream hunter. Go after what it is that you want to do. I've already had people in my inbox today saying, I want to do what Mike did. Can you help me become a fantasy writer? I will get back to those people. And number two, be nice to people. Okay, we need more of that in the world. So go out there and, and if you're, if you're going to be mean to somebody, just bite your lip, bite your tongue. That's probably what Mike would have done and what he would tell you to do. And uh, we, we, the world would be a better place if we all took a couple of pointers from Mike Tagliere. I'm going to miss the hell out of him. Yeah. Uh, it's not going to be the same when I go to Canton next year, and uh, he's uh, not going to be there. It's, it's going to hang over the room. Everybody in this industry is very sad about losing him. But, man, what, what a bunch of life lessons he taught us. 
I'll I'll just say like, echoing everything you guys already said. Um, I'll be short. I I always felt a little bit of uh, an understanding there. I mean, we were not close in any way, but we had a similar path into this industry, and we had similar um, personal paths in a lot of regards. And, and the way he talked about his wife, I I fully understood. Um, I know he he had a child from a prior relationship, and he talked about dealing with that with her and. And he'd done a lot of things in his career before he became a fantasy analyst. But the thing that impressed me the most, and you guys kind of talked about it, was the last, I guess it's 36 hours now on Twitter and just the reaction of this community and the number of lives and people that he's touched and the way that this community, again, has stepped up with the GoFundMe and, and made sure at least Tabby and the family don't have to worry about anything financially for a while. I, I think that's commendable. I want to congratulate the industry on that, and I, I'm just offer my condolences to his family, and and um, it's just amazing what an impact he made. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the people in the industry and 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 all the people who who play out there and follow tags, uh, they're just so moved, and uh, I'm so glad that they're contributing to the GoFundMe, and you know we're all in this together. So, thanks for those thanks for those words, guys. Um, we we yeah, definitely will we'll always remember Mike Taglier. We're gonna take a break here on fantasy football today. Come back and talk more fantasy. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back, everybody. All right, just a couple of stats here. Derrick Henry has 12 catches in three games. His career high is 19. So PPR machine, Derrick Henry. <laughs> and Calvin Ridley has gone three straight games with 51 to 63 yards. And he had a similar Ooh. stretch last year, but he left one of those games hurt. So I would say this is worse than anything we saw last year. And they do not throw. They are the most conservative team. It is incredible to watch the Falcons. They were horrendous today and still came away with a win. When you say conservative, you mean they ran the ball a lot? Or no, the they throws. down a lot? It's just nothing downfield. Yeah. Nothing. I noticed that last week, especially against zone defenses. They're, Matt Ryan is very happy to check it down. If it's you know first and 10, and they're leaving the middle of the field open, he'll get you five yards. If it's third and nine, he'll take the five yards, and then they'll punt. Yeah, they still don't have a 40-yard pass play in in uh, three games now. Um, and that's, you know, just not what we're used to seeing from... What was their longest? Their longest play today was 28 yards. Oh, they had a 28-er to 
Cordell Patterson, that was a short pass. Calvin Ridley, 20. Kyle Pitts, 25 on the last drive. So, I mean, it's just amazing to see. And and I, I wasn't going to include him in that previous one with he's not the stud wide receiver, but that's because I thought, you know, we'll spend time on it here. But, yeah, is, is Calvin Ridley worse than DeAndre Hopkins? Who would you rather have? Hopkins. I, I think I might side with Ridley because I think the target volume does have a room to be to be good. I mean, I'd rather have Devontae Adams, who just scored don't, against the 49ers. Don't. don't, don't. <laughs> don't um, but I, I think I think I'd look at Ridley first. I'm gonna I, I think Ridley needs to be examined a little bit and to see what's going on. All right. Yeah. One one more on this uh this is this the is this weird stats discussion? Sure. Have you looked at Kyler Murray's rushing yards? I can't say I have. Not not that much going into with this week. He had 19 rushing yards this week. He has 70 yards rushing in three games. He's still playing so well. Isn't that weird? He, <laughs> well, I think he has maybe four rushing touchdowns. Yeah. And he two only run the ball 17 times in three games. He said he was going to run it less. I didn't believe him. Believe it or not, I didn't. I said no. Yeah, he is definitely running it less. I was worried about it, and then Kingsbury said over training camp yeah we're gonna use him as a runner still i was like all right cool sounds like he'll run at least he's giving us something on the ground yeah um all right uh here's another stat zach wilson has scored three combined fantasy points in his last two games now early waiver wire guys you want to just give me some names fire away with some waiver wire names i think the titans are playing the jets so titans dst sure and then if those receivers aren't healthy, you could certainly make the case for uh, whoever's left in Tennessee's passing game. Uh, I guess that would include Nick Westbrook, um, maybe Chester. No, nah, I, I can't say Chester, It'd be Chester Rogers, it. Dave. He had a catch for a touchdown, but that's it. He might have more fantasy points this year than A.J. Brown. Oh, no. Don't start with that. <laughs> Jeez. Come on. Uh, Emmanuel, um, Emmanuel Sanders, maybe. Hunter Renfro. Is Emmanuel Sanders available? He is rostered in 59% of leagues. I'd say Emmanuel Sanders should be, and Renfro for sure. Yeah, I put him in the winners, but Renfro for sure. All right, those are some names to get you started there. and We'll uh, think of the guy that we should have said yeah, like yeah. an hour and five minutes into the podcast. All right, so then why don't we go to our winners and losers for Fantasy Week 3. Heath, your winners are Saquon Barkley, Hunter Renfro, and Emmanuel Sanders. <laughs> Uh, I'm just glad that we've added 17 segments at the beginning of the show before we get to this. So that we've already talked about these guys and we just move on. Dave, who are your winners? <laughs> well, no, we didn't talk enough. But first of all, with Renfro and Sanders, who do you prioritize? I would be definitely would think Sanders in non or half PPR, probably in full PPR as well. But I do think that both of them are deserving as of looks as number three wide receivers, especially as we move into the buys. And Sanders might be a real problem for Diggs. I think Sanders could end up being a real problem for Diggs, too. I think Brian Edwards could be a problem for Renfro and Waller. The way that he was making big catches late in the game for the Raiders was really impressive. Yeah. They've, they've got to give him some, some more looks. Uh, in deeper leagues, I'm going to try and get Brian Edwards on my bench. Okay, uh, I think that there's, there, there's something there. Uh, for example, deep leagues, you might have picked up K.J. Hamler. Hamler got hurt. He's going to be out for a while. You can replace him on your bench with Edwards, 
and just see what happens. But th- th- this is a talented receiver who uh, was great in college, had a lot of injuries, big guy, and Derek Carr is throwing the ball like a maniac right now. Yeah. All right, but I want to come back to Saquon Barkley here. He was started in sure. 91% of leagues, 16 carries, 52 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, not a great average, but six catches for 43 yards. And, um, yeah, what, what do you think about him right now? Is he is he one of those running backs that you that you covet? You know, is he? Yes. Yeah. He played 84% of the snaps. He got over 20 touches. He, uh, he almost got you 100 yards, and he scored on a short yardage carry. Yeah, and no Shepard, no Slayton. Maybe that contributed to the six catches, and they could be out. We don't know how much time they're going to miss. All right. I don't know how much else needs to be said there. Would you rather have Mixon? Is that a couple of kind of disappointing games or or Barkley? Saquon. I would still take Mixon. All right. I can tell you, I really thought Barkley looked terrific. Explosive, powerful. I know the rush average isn't going to show that, but you guys will watch during the week and you let me know what you think. Dave, your winner is Ryan Tannehill. He's only... No, I got to have that wrong. That must be 46% started. Um made that his roster percentage. So I think started in just 46% of leagues, and he had 26 fantasy points against the Colts, and that was with his receivers beat up. James mm-hmm. Robinson, who you mentioned, Clyde Edwards-Elaire, who you mentioned. Uh, now with the running backs, with Robinson and Edwards-Elaire, is this the start of good things to come, or is this a, you know, a one-week celebration, and maybe we should look to uh, see what we can get for Robinson and Clyde? I wouldn't mind if you went to see what you could get for Robinson and Clyde. I do think that Robinson's rebound kind of proves to the coaching staff in Jacksonville that this is a guy you need to have on the field. He was certainly involved late in the game in the passing game. Um, I I think that he can have some good games moving forward, so I wouldn't be in a rush to get rid of Robinson. I think Jacksonville would be wise to keep leaning on him, and so that's hopefully what we'll see. I know that Carlos Hyde's still taking some work away from him, I don't have the snap counts available right in front of me. I mean, give me a minute, I can get there. Robinson, though, had 22 touches. Robinson had 15 carries, right. 88 so, yards, a touchdown, and seven catches for 56 yards. Great game for him. Yeah, so the downside to it is that he played 59% of the snaps. He didn't dominate in the red zone. He had the majority in the red zone, 56% of the red zone snaps, uh, 42% of snaps on third and fourth downs. So he's involved, and he's got room to grow a little bit more. And Jacksonville looks like a team that can be competitive to a point in, in games. And then when they're not competitive, Robinson can still play. So I'm okay with James Robinson as a number two fantasy running back. Edwards Elaire still makes me nervous. I think that this could be like a uh, fooled you game because as great as it was that he caught a touchdown in the red zone, he uh, didn't play much in the red zone. He only played 62% of the snaps in the entire game. Chiefs only had eight plays in the red zone. So the fact that he had one red zone carry and one red zone catch, that's two of the eight plays. Maybe you'll look at that as a positive. Um, Who was in at the one-yard line, Dave? Who was in at the one-yard line? It was Williams. It was Williams. And then their next three games are at Philadelphia, which as of this recording right now, we still think is a good run defense. Buffalo, which I still think is a good run defense, even though Washington uh, had the catch and run with Gibson. And then they're at Washington three games from now, which – probably is not a great defense. So maybe he can come through in one or two of those games. I know people are going to like the workload there. If there is a sell-high opportunity to a running back desperate team where you can get a really good receiver or you work up something where you get Kelsey on your team, just throwing it out there, um, I would do it. I think that there could be some bad games ahead for Edwards-Elair. 
All right, let's go to the losers here. We'll go to Heath's losers first. Tyson Williams, what on earth? Five carries for 22 yards. He scores two damn fantasy points. Doesn't even have a catch at Detroit. Rondell Moore, what on earth? Now, he nearly had a rushing touchdown, but he still only had two targets and one yard. Uh, and Devin Singletary, it was a great day for Zach Moss. Zach Moss had uh, 13 carries. Singletary had 11. Moss was much better than him on the ground. 60 yards to a 26 for Singletary. And Moss had three catches, 31 yards, and a receiving touchdown. Um, it really looked like Singletary was kind of staking a claim a little bit there, but that totally went away. Uh, where do you want to start? Tyson, Rondale, Devin Singletary. Um, I think I think there's a couple lessons for each one. For Singletary, it's just that he has, does not have the grip on the job that we hoped that he did, and we're going to have to wait until the next time that Zach Moss stubs a pinky, and um, then we get to see Singletary again because it looks like Zach Moss. I mean, it was a pretty close to a split, but when it's a split, you just don't want to start either one of these guys. I know Moss had a good game in this one, but for the most part, if they're both getting 13 carries and a catch or two, it's just like, yeah. I don't really want to. So I think Singletary really just goes back to a bench position, but I still want to hold him. I'm not really wanting to sit him. For Rondell Moore, this is the danger first off in when you use per route run data, targets per route run, yards per route run, and then you got a guy that's not running all the routes. And that's what Rondell Moore has been so far. He's been kind of a gadget player, and they were in a weird situation in this game in Jacksonville where they were actually playing for a, from behind for a while, but the game wasn't in doubt late. I just don't think he played near as much as we were expecting him to. Yeah, and then Tyson Williams. It well, again, we talked about this two weeks ago, and it didn't really manifest itself last week. But I think for the most part, coaches would rather go with the plotter who's not going to make mistakes than the guy that looks a little bit flashier but doesn't seem to know what he's doing. And Tyson Williams has made a lot of mistakes, and it's not as if he had any great pedigree he was a, a five-year college player who was a backup almost an entire career and wasn't drafted and didn't play last year i know but i think what's confusing to me well not confusing but what's concerning is when you look at the running back carries i don't know if you have any numbers on this but they're just so usually it's like dobbins 15 you know we were expecting dobbins 15 edwards 12 something like that it was latavius seven tyson five they just don't Devontae freeman three they just don't run the ball as much. Uh, they're throwing more. Toward the end of last season, last like six games for Lamar Jackson, he was throwing 20, 21 times a game. He's probably close to 30 right now. Well, they told us all summer they wanted to do this. Yeah. Uh, it's, you don't believe until you see it. And I, they started out last year and then they were like, screw it. Let's just go back to not throwing the ball at all. But maybe they just don't have the running game. They don't believe in it. And they're going to be more of a passing team than than we are used to. I think it's quite obvious they don't like currently they don't believe in Tyson Williams. Now I don't I don't want to say that's a permanent thing because I do still think he has more athleticism than every other running back on the roster put together. Yeah. But they do not trust him right now obviously and we can't. All right, so, so should you drop Okay, go ahead, go ahead. Tyson played 51% of the snaps including 43% of the red zone snaps. Unfortunately, he had the same Percentage of red zone snaps is Latavius Murray. Murray played 33% of the snaps. Freeman played 14% of the snaps. And all three of them basically were even on third and fourth downs. I think Tyson had one more snap on third and fourth than the other two guys each had. So I, I would imagine that at some point this week, Heath's going to watch the film on Tyson Williams. He'll make a note of the mistakes that he made. If he managed to play a game without any mistakes, maybe that buys him a little bit more time. 
at the very least, we know that he played half the snaps for Baltimore. But the Ravens came out in this game trying to throw. They wanted Lamar to throw. Lamar should have had a better game. He had four drops from his receivers. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. Mm -hmm. But I I still think there's hope for Tyson, but it's long-term. Short-term, I don't know how you can feel good about starting him. Okay, for those of you who are not aware, Marquise Brown could have been wide receiver one this week. Yep. He dropped three big touchdowns. Two of them were on the same drive, so obviously he couldn't have had all three of them. But he could have had a massive game, and he let a lot of people down, unfortunately. And he was really upset, you could see, and, and John Harbaugh didn't, you know, was doing his best to kind of console him. But after all those drops, he didn't, I don't think he had a catch in the second half. Um, so it was a tough day for Marquise Brown. I know I, I was really high on him and uh, unfortunately just dropped the ball. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give a couple Denver of... Denver in week four, by the way. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give a couple so of bonus losers. Bonus losers uh, for, for the week. Javante Williams. This guy could have had three touchdowns. He had a lot of goal line work. Couldn't get in once. He had one touchdown. Fumbled at the goal line and hasn't shown that he's better than Melvin Gordon. So I don't know that Melvin Gordon's going anywhere. And Daryl Henderson. I don't think Daryl Henderson can afford a a split. He doesn't do enough. He needs to get a lot of touches and score touchdowns. And Sonny Michelle, look, did he blow the the roof off of it? No. But against the Bucs, he had a pretty decent showing. Maybe he maybe he's a factor. Maybe it's you know a sixty four seventy thirty split, but it had been basically a ninety nine to point to one percent split. Uh, so I thought I don't Michelle know how you worse. can say that Michelle had a good showing like because against Tampa Bay. I did guess. you watch it? I mean, he was he was pretty good in the fourth quarter. He was reliable. He had a few catches. Yeah. I think he was better than the numbers. Uh, I just you know I don't think that he did so badly where you just forget about him and go right back to Henderson as the every down, every touch back, basically. Well, the, the people who decide that aren't going to tell us what they're doing, but they have tended to prefer using one guy the majority of the time when they've got someone that they're comfortable with. I think they were getting comfortable with Henderson before he got hurt. It's a matter of whether or not they're going to get comfortable with him again once he heals up and he's back on the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It could take a month or a month and a half before we see it again. Oh, well, that wouldn't be good. <laughs> that would make him a loser. Okay. That wouldn't make him a loser. I got some losers for you. Uh, well, we got to get into uh, the games here and the, the top five. All right, that. fine. You already gave your losers, didn't you? No, I Oh, didn't. you didn't. I'm so sorry. Well, I am very I'm trying sorry. to transition and help you out All here. All right, my, my bad, you know my what? friend. You know what? We'll talk about the losers when we go through the games. Okay. Davis losers, we'll get back to them. Jonathan Taylor, Allen Robinson, and Kyle Pitts. And we do have a, a Twitter poll. Um, what was the most special special teams play of the day? Was it Jamal Agnew's 109-yard kick six, which is tied for the longest play in NFL history, or was it Justin Tucker's 66-yard game-winning field goal, which is the longest field goal in NFL history? What are the results? Ooh, Tucker. It's history. They both were. Well, one tied history, and the other one was uh, Justin Tucker stands alone now. Yeah, on on the mountain of NFL kickers. Yeah, well, it never should have happened. I actually thought it was short. You know, the angle that they show you on TV, you see it bounce, and it looked like it bounced in the end zone. Mm -hmm. So I watched it live, and I went, "Oh man, that looks like he just fell short." And then you see the ball like kick back up in the air again, and then the referees are putting their hands up. I was like, "Damn, I guess it went through." New record, pretty cool. I assume you've got a read to do or now or something. No, why? 
Like somebody's sponsoring and asking us to talk about kickers and, and field goal <laughs> kick returns. Yeah, a shoe company. Uh, yeah, so 76% of the vote for Justin Tucker. I would have voted for Agnew because Tucker should have had a kick a 71-yard field goal because the Lions got screwed. It was a delay of game. Arizona, at least it was on TV. Arizona 31, Jacksonville 19. We go to the games. It was not a good day for Kyler Murray. Only 17 fantasy points, but he threw for 316 yards. I doubt we're worried. James Conner had two rushing touchdowns. Chase Edmonds, he's never going to score. It's just it's just not going to happen. He, they gave him a chance. It, yeah, he did come Very earlier in the game. He had a, two, a carry from the two-yard line. He got stopped right at the goal line. Very next play, Kyler Murray, boot. Run yeah. touchdown. No one on the Jaguars had a clue. Yeah, but Connor came in. All right, sorry, Heath. What's your believe it That's or not true. for Arizona Jacksonville? Um, believe it or not, you should drop Rondale Moore for AJ Green. No, I don't want to. I don't want to trust. That's a that's, a, Green. that's a low upside play. Yeah, Green had 112 yards on six I, targets. I will just say that I think, and I. I fell into this last week too, and maybe after next week I'll feel different. Maybe I'm just going to flip flop all over the place. I don't think Rondale Moore is in a high upside play. He's not a full time player. Not yet, but that's what happens with rookie wide receivers. They gain playing time, they gain production. I don't think they are using him in any of the types of roles. Like we were talking about this when we were questioning whether DeAndre Hopkins was going to be out this week. I'm not sure DeAndre Hopkins being out would have a major impact on Rondale Moore. Maybe we should talk about Christian Kirk, by the way. <laughs> Seven well, catches, I, I wonder if yards. Kirk can keep putting up good games when Hopkins, if Hopkins does get a turn to start getting so, more targets. So you guys would go Rondale, then Kirk, then A.J. Green? I would know Green last. It would be tough between Rondale and Kirk. I, I'm not sure. I, I feel like rostering Rondale is just like a long-term, high-upside type play. I've never really believed that Christian Kirk can be a reliable starter from week to week. And I don't know if I can trust A.J. Green. I feel like A.J. Green is a prototypical receiver who will show us a couple of good games, and then when we start him and we're excited, he lets us down. Like Rondale Moore just did. Like Rondale Moore uh, just did. I, well, the bottom I also line wasn't is ready to start Rondale Moore as anything more <laughs> yeah. than a low-end flex this week. Probably shouldn't start these guys. The guy that let us down was Hopkins. Yeah. Um, all right. You probably shouldn't start regularly start a, another receipt. It's just it's going to be kind of a mess. Uh, is it time to just give up on Trevor Lawrence? He scored 25 in week one, eight in week two, and 10 in week three, and six point for passing touchdown leagues. Yeah, you could drop him. Come back to him as a bye week guy, or maybe when he starts to put things together, when that offensive line does a better job of protecting him, when the play calling gets a little bit better, you can come back to him. We got way too many LaVisca Chenault questions this morning. Way too many. I, I don't know why people are considering starting him at this point. Uh, and he's 69% rostered, and that's a guy who might be dropped in some leagues. And, uh, Connor had two short yardage goal line touchdowns. He played 73% of the red zone snaps. So it's basically you know, turning out that he is the new Kenyon Drake in Arizona. Um, three fourth quarter carries came with less than seven minutes so okay he Edmonds is still the main guy he's still going to catch more passes but anytime Carolina or Carolina the Cardinals have a good matchup uh Connor's worth starting as non-PPR flex because he could score 
All right. Cincinnati 24, Pittsburgh 10. Heath? Oh, man, this is so gross. Um, believe it or not, Najee Harris is going to be a major fact factor in the passing game moving forward. Uh, you've got to believe it. Uh, I don't know about major. <laughs> he only had 19 targets. Like this. He only had 19 targets today, Heath. <laughs> Can he get and to he 20 played first? 95% of the snaps. <laughs> Well, look, Deontay Johnson was obviously out, and then Juju got hurt in the third quarter, I think. So keep that in mind. But he's going to be, yeah, he's they, be a they factor. Didn't, I mean, they kind of went in a way. They didn't really throw to him week one. They threw to him a little bit week two, and then all the wide receivers got hurt in week three, and they threw to him. He was their number one option. Ben Roethlisberger right now might be one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. I'm sorry. Well, I, I shouldn't say that. I mean, you got, you got the rookies struggling, but he's – just off. You should have read. I hope everybody got a chance to read what Jason Lock and Fora wrote this morning. I mean, the Steelers organization is getting very worried about Ben Roethlisberger, and now his solution is just to do the same crap as last year, get the ball out of his hand in a millisecond. So it's going to help Najee, sure. It's a hard game to take a lot away from guys because you had two star receivers out, and that obviously influences the targets. And then you had Juju out as well. Um, but one thing, look at Joe Burrow's pass attempts in three games, 27, 30, and 22. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just trying to run the ball. They had the ball for less than 25 minutes today, but still, Mixon is getting so many carries, 29, 20, and 18 carries in three games. And I wonder, you know, how do you feel about Jamar Chase, right? He's not getting a ton of targets. He's getting His touchdown rate must be, must be through the roof. He's got, he's got four touchdowns on 16 targets. <laughs> Yeah, I think Chase is a high-end number three wide receiver most weeks, and I'm still not sure when they're both healthy who's going to be better, him or T. Higgins. But if you're in a league where you start three wide receivers, then that makes it pretty easy. You're starting Chase every week. Burrow's got a 9.3 touchdown rate right now. So when with Chase, you know, if he were a veteran, you could look at him and say, all right, look, he can't keep this up. He's a sell high. Well, the, the risk, I think, is these are the first three games of his career. And he has scored four touchdowns. And you saw this, you saw the way he accelerated into that long touchdown at the end. I mean, this guy has uncommon skill. So if he's just getting the targets that he's getting now and nothing changes and Burrow's throwing this this infrequently, then yeah, you probably want to sell him. But we don't want to give up on I don't want to sell him, I guess is what I'm saying. I just I could see it going down uh, going south a little bit here, but there's just too much potential. This guy has four touchdowns in his first three games. He was the fifth pick in the draft. Like, I think I'm just going to ride it out and see what happens. Same. All right. I endorse this message. Atlanta 17, Giants 14. Believe it or not, the Giants are going 0-17. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, they'll win three or four games, have the th- fourth pick, and and screw it up. They don't just lose. These are the most heartbreaking games. Yeah. Fly, they make some fly. pretty bad decisions. I just don't know why at this point it would break your heart. You should be cheering for them to lose. No. Heath, I'm so sick of it. You don't understand. When, when your team loses every year, you get sick of that crap. And there's no Trevor no, Lawrence this year. They're not even good enough at losing. they got to win six games every year. Um, <laughs> one thing, uh, this is actually relevant for fantasy. Believe it or not, Colin Johnson might be a waiver wire pickup. He had Maybe. some. He, there was some, some people that liked him coming out. I was surprised that Jacksonville cut bait on him, 
And if there's no Sterling Shepard or Darius Slayton, he might just be their number two wide receiver. Maybe. Yeah. There was talk before the game that Kadarius Tony would start to get more work. Mm. He had three targets and two catches. So I don't think that that's happening. Uh, Colin Johnson, seven targets, five catches, 51 yards. Very, very tall and very, very lean individual. So there's certainly something there that uh, might be of interest in deeper leagues. I don't know if you want to necessarily. like. We, everybody was so excited to go with Daniel Jones, and the matchup was was so great, and he didn't really capitalize on it. Didn't have a lot of touchdowns. No, he didn't have any. He actually played pretty well. I'm not going to lie to you. He played pretty well. It it was it was encouraging stuff. He made some really good throws, but he can't. He doesn't throw touchdowns ever. Right. So So I don't know how much of a hurry I'll be in to pick up a receiver on the other end of the quarterback who doesn't throw many touchdowns. Dave, what do you think? Okay, what do you think about Kyle Pitts? Let's go through his first three games: four catches, 31 yards in week one; five catches, 73 yards in week two and two catches for 35 yards on only three targets in week three. And Matt Ryan threw 36 times and a lot to Cordero Patterson, a lot to Calvin Ridley, three times to Kyle Pitts. What do you think right now? Cordero Patterson is ruining everything. <laughs> I'm, I, I didn't watch enough of this game to speak on, on Kyle Pitts. I thought in week one he was moving kind of slowly. I ran it past Pete Prisco, drink. He, he said that he was thinking too much and it looked like he moved a little bit better in week two i don't know why they didn't target him much more in week three it's something that i need to go back and watch i mean but he's I, I don't know if you can feel confident starting him as your tight end anymore you might need to start look at start looking at who's available on the waiver wire because there's a lot of guys in the waiver wire <laughs> like no the there's thing. not but there You're might be so guys that can actually score touchdowns. at this point you've just got to stick it out because the week that you bench him, I'll guarantee it, Kyle Pitts will be the guy that scores the touchdown. You you invested a fourth or fifth round pick on this guy. I hope the talent works out. There's nobody, there's no savior on the waiver wire. You're going to go add Austin Hooper, who just scored a touchdown. He's going to get two targets next week for 17 yards. No, but I'm going to tell you this, though. He plays Minnesota. He might not. I'm going to tell you, you this. Hold on. Uh, last week, after the bad week one, Pitts was only started in 71% of leagues. So that tells me that a lot of people either added someone after the bad week one or drafted two tight ends. They don't always think like us. Hey, you drafted a top five or six tight end. Don't even think about drafting another one. We we recommended that, actually. Well, fine. Okay. But most, you know, I think a lot of people who take pits wouldn't take two tight ends. But they did bench him, and he came back with 73 yards and five catches. Uh, So... Do you know what his roster ship was this week? His start percentage was 83%. Right. So it went right back up and... He let us down. He's got Washington next week and then the Jets in week five. So if you're pot committed like Heath, here's an idea. You, you stay pot committed. Your plan is, okay, week four and week five, I'm starting. And week six, he's on by. You can't use him anyway. Maybe in over the next three weeks, your goal is to sift your way through the waiver wire and see what you can find at tight end. Uh, speaking of waiver wire, I mean, Cordaro Patterson is 67% rostered. He might be available. Which running back do you like better going forward? And actually, believe it or not, Mike Davis has more catches than Patterson this year. That was not a believe it or not segment. That is actually no, true. He has one more. Like they both have more right. catches than Kyle Pitts. Right. <laughs> Who do you like better, because, Mike, Mike Davis? Because Matt Ryan's checking it down every chance he gets. Favorite still, Falcons running Davis. back. Go ahead. Davis. I still want to say Davis, but they... They, they keep getting closer and closer in, in snap percentage each week. Davis was at 59%. Patterson was at 42%. 
two thirds of the red zone snaps went to Davis. One third went to Patterson. That's a shift from last week when Patterson saw more in the red zone. Uh, again, I didn't really watch enough of this game. I don't want to say anything that I might you know, change around, but by Tuesday, I'll have a pretty good idea on how I feel about Patterson. All right. And uh, uh, Kenny Galladay, buy low or heck no? I think it's buy a low. heck no. Buy low. Oh, buy low. It's a heck no. no. We just got done talking about how Colin Johnson was a great waiver ad because Daniel Jones doesn't throw a lot of touchdowns. Now we've got Kenny Galladay, who's not playing at 100%. He's going to be on the injury report all season. I just I don't think you're ever going to feel great to start Kenny Galladay. Baltimore 19, Detroit 7, Heath. Believe it or not, Tyson Williams is droppable. No. No. Don't dismiss it so fast. Who We're talking. Sorry. Sorry. No. No. <laughs> okay. Well, Brandon Ayuk is still in the league. It, it just, you're not going to drop him, but nobody's going to drop him, I don't think. I mean, he's definitely droppable in a 10-team league. No! I don't think so. His upside is maybe you get 13 carries a week. Yeah, but right he's... Now. And, he's yeah. and he's not... He was the third Baltimore running back to receive a touch in this game. He had 94 total yards in week one. They went Murray... And, oh, he had 94 total, and 93 total yards in week two. Nobody's dropping that. You ever watched an episode of The Walking Dead? Yeah. What happens to the slow people on The Walking Dead? <laughs> they walk. They get, they get eaten by zombies and they die. And he's yeah. the fastest of the guys that are in that backfield in Baltimore. I think I that his. Just, I imagine that he will eventually outrun Murray and Freeman. Dave, I think his backfield mates might be the zombies. Uh, <laughs> Marquise Brown. Look, uh, all right. I think we talked about him, but. I hope they go back to him after this game because he's. If he had had that big game, we'd be talking about him as one of the real, the true breakouts this year. If they don't go back to him, what's their offense going to be? Rashad Bateman can be back next week. Yeah, that's a good point. Now that's somebody to add and stash off the waiver wire. All right, we talked about DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams earlier today. Any concerns about T.J. Hawkinson? Two two catches, ten yards on two targets. He's a tight end. He is a tight end. Yeah. Yeah, but we expect more from Hawkinson than two targets. Dear goodness gracious, Cleveland 26, Chicago 6. Chicago gained 47 net yards. Cleveland gained 418. This was one that was actually, and you almost stole it with the Trevor Lawrence thing, but um, believe it or not, Justin Fields is droppable in a one-quarterback league. I believe it. Yeah, I believe it. My my biggest gripe with Justin Fields coming out of Ohio State is that when he gets rattled by the pass rush, it takes him a while to like cool back down. And every time he plays, he's going to get rattled by the pass rush because that offensive line in Chicago is so brutal. I don't know how they fix that. They tried to fix it in this game by going no huddle. That didn't work. They tried to buy him time by using extra tight ends. Occasionally it worked, and he'd, he'd throw off target. They sailed passes over people's heads. He threw lawn darts. I think one pass hit a lineman in the butt cheek. <laughs> I'm I am I am really discouraged by what I've seen from Justin Fields, especially since in the preseason it looked like he knew what he was doing. He was poised, he was confident. Maybe it was because the offensive line was blocking better then. Maybe it was because he wasn't taking on uh, tough defenses. I think we understand why point. people succeeded the preseason at this point. I mean, sure, he's sure, going sure. up against backups, and he made well, a lot just, of mistakes we, in the preseason. We just Nobody. acted like there was no chance we could drop Tyson Williams. The only like, oh, I, the quarterback's a little bit deeper than running back Heath. 
Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Let's the first round pick after one game. <laughs> well, because Dalton free agent is they said, 25 years old. They said Dalton's coming back. They, they, they said Dalton's going to be the quarterback when he's healthy, and I actually believe them now. Now, yeah, listen, now I believe it. They get the let him get killed. He has Detroit, Detroit next week. Be there next week. All right. So, what do you think? What do you think? You keep him for Detroit next week? Because that team, I would like to keep him for Detroit. Next not week. Have a if you saw Tyson Williams and Justin Fields on your waiver wire, who are you going to make a waiver claim for first? Oh, it's probably Tyson. Oh, it's definitely okay. Tyson Williams. Get out of here. <laughs> but I don't, I do not have near the confidence that you guys do that Tyson Williams is ever going to be a top 20 running back in fantasy again like for the rest of his life. Uh, Dave, talk to me about Allen Robinson and David Montgomery for that matter. Are these just huge busts this year? I thought David Montgomery was going to get off to a huge game. He had 16 rush yards on his very first carry, and then he had 18 rush yards on his remaining nine carries. So, yuck. And Allen Robinson, there's no, well, he dropped a touchdown. Otherwise, he would have had a better game uh, with him this week. Just Fields was awful. The offensive line was awful. It's going to sabotage the numbers for Robinson and Mooney. Uh, If you've got Robinson or Mooney, you need to hope that they come through with a good game in week four, and you can trade them for whatever you can get. That's in the case of Robinson. And Mooney, if Mooney doesn't come through with a good game in week four, I think you're cutting them. So and are you, you more worried you, about these guys than you are Jacksonville? Because we've seen three mean? games of Trevor Lawrence being awful. Yeah, but we've the worst game in PPR with Marvin Jones there is 12, and Chark has scored in two of three games. And Visca is still going to get some good volume in the passing game. I mean, as bad as the the Jacksonville offensive line is, the Bears' offensive line is worse. Bears, do the Bears have the worst? Again, the Bears were definitely worse today than Jacksonville has been. I'm just saying, I I am more convinced that Jacksonville and Trevor Lawrence are going to be bad than I am Justin Fields and the Bears because I've only seen it in one game from Fields. Right, but we know that Fields isn't going to be the starter the rest of the way. They want to use that. I think if he goes and lights up Detroit and they win, he might be. Yeah, maybe, but then two weeks later, if he has a couple of bad games, then they'll just go back to Dalton. That, and we're talking that, about least, dropping Trevor Lawrence. That's I, why I'm okay with dropping Fields. I think it might be better for the Jacksonville guys if they had Andy Dalton. Than Trevor the Lawrence? Guys. Over Lawrence Trevor Lawrence? Lawrence has been awful. He has been awful. But he's, uh, I yeah, mean, I mean, it's, it's not Andy Dalton is good. not good. Neither uh, is Trevor it, Lawrence. But Andy yeah. Dalton actually played pretty well, I think, in week two before he got hurt. Uh, yeah. but yeah, I don't know. I look, I, I don't have any Allen Robinson and I'm thrilled about it, but you guys probably do. So starter, sit, starter sit. Yeah, I have him starter sit, uh, Robinson against Detroit next week. Heard him. I might put him in my top 24. He might make the top 24. Uh, who would you rather have rest of the season? Odell Beckham or Allen Robinson? Robinson. Wow. Uh, the fact that I'm even hesitating makes me want to kind of say Odell Beckham had five catches for 77 yards. He had nine targets and he looked good. Yeah. Yeah, he did. And he had a carry for 10 yards and he was only started in 23% of leagues and he's at Minnesota next week. He'll have two more games at least without Jarvis Landry, uh, Beckham or Brandon cooks rest of season. Cooks. Cooks. All right. Cooks or Robinson cooks. I'm probably still Robinson. Tennessee 25, Indianapolis 16. I'm going to get sick in this segment. Believe it or not, Jonathan Taylor has a Naheem Hines problem. Believe it. That might be the easiest believe it or not that 
we've ever had. Uh, I don't know. Hmm. I, I, because I don't think that Taylor can't be great even with Naeem Hines being involved. That's the thing, right? Because they, they don't really have anyone else. It's Right now, it's Taylor, Hines, right. and Pittman. So I don't see why both running backs can't be I think very the problem successful. is that Naeem Hines is going to play more in these types of games. And the way this offense and defense has looked so far, they're going to be in more of these types of games than we had forecast. The offensive line doesn't look as good as we thought it was. The defense doesn't look near as good as we thought it was. And so I kind of went into the year thinking the Colts were a team that would be playing ahead most of the time. Jonathan Taylor was going to be getting 18 carries yes. a game. Yes. And the catches, maybe he'd catch two or three passes too. That'd be kind of gravy. But he was such a good runner. The line was so good. The game script would be so good that he was going to be good even if Hines was the pass catching back. If Hines is the pass catching back and they're playing from behind half the time, that's a major problem, I think, for Jonathan Taylor. Quentin Nelson got hurt in the game. He was carted from the sideline to the locker room. It's an ankle sprain for him, so he's probably going to be out for a while. Naheem Hines had 54% of the snaps. Jonathan Taylor had 49% of the snaps. That might make you sick. This will do the job. 78% of the red zone snaps for Indianapolis in week three went to Naheem Hines. He had four touches or four snaps on goal to go. 33% I'd love of the to know the snaps. circumstances. Go snaps I'd love Jonathan to know Taylor. the circumstances of that because you're not telling me that he's their goal line back. He's definitely well, not. It's probably they're playing from behind. They're in the red zone, and this is an important area of the field. They're probably in whether, hurry up. Whether it's the first quarter or the fourth quarter. Dave, what? What, what what had happened in the red zone the prior two weeks with Jonathan Taylor? Exactly. He, there's no way he lost his job to Naeem Hines in the red zone. I refuse to believe that. I, I don't in think. The, in the green zone. If or they are going to line up and obviously run the ball, then I, I, on in the I'm not saying necessarily even on the one-yard line, but I do wonder if their lack of success being able to punch the ball and running the ball in obvious running situations has caused them to think, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't be so obvious. Maybe if we put in our pass catching back, they might think we're going to throw, and then we can hand it to him, and he what can go run What team operates like that? They get down to the goal line. They put in their best running back. That's Jonathan Taylor. I didn't say goal line. There's a big they difference They get down to the five-yard line. line. I mean, There's, you know. Well, this was from the eight when Naeem Hines scored on the rushing touchdown today. Okay. Well, that, that I, well, what was the situation? They were uh, for Hines' touchdown? Yeah. It was the fourth quarter. It was yeah, 22 okay. to 13, Tennessee. Okay. That's what I'm saying. They were probably in the hurry up. He might have been. Listen, he had 15 carries and 17 carries in his first two games, Jonathan Taylor. So sure. now he had 10. They had the ball for 25 minutes. It was a horrible game. They got, they, they were behind most of the game. It sucked. Uh, all right, would you rather? But I don't. I don't know. He's not losing his job to. He was not losing his job near the goal line. No He's one said have, anything about goal line, but you. Well, but that's the most important. I like Naeem Hines isn't going to rush for eight yards most of the time when on first and goal from the eight. Uh, anyway, would you rather? I think it was first and goal from the whatever eight. from the eight goal to go. Barkley or or Taylor rest of season. Barkley. Mm. Uh, I think I'd still take Taylor. Uh, real quick here, should Derrick Henry be the number one overall player in PPR given his role in the passing game and McCaffrey's injury and Cook's injury? Yes. Ah, all right. Chargers 30, Chiefs 24. Guys, we got to giddy up here. We're going to be on the air for two hours. Chargers 30, Chiefs 24. Believe it or not, Mike Williams is the number one wide receiver on the Chargers in fantasy. He's given you a minimum of 22 PPR points each of the first three games of the season. 
They are going to be a Justin Herbert-centric team. Believe it or not. They get a lot of targets. Believe it I or not. You kind of got to believe it. As crazy as it sounds. He's this year's... It, they're both amazing. I'll yeah. I'll take Keenan Allen the same way. I didn't say it out loud, but I wanted to tell you that I'm going to take Metcalf over Lockett rest of season last week, even though nobody... But now you'd probably like credit for it as well. I, I did say it on uh, Thursday's stream, so anybody... <laughs> Heard that. Um, yes, I would like a little bit of credit now. Who knows what it's going to be? Uh, I'll still take Allen, but they are... I mean, Mike Williams is going to end up being the best draft pick in fantasy, I think, when it's yeah. all said and done. Um, for the Chiefs, I think we talked Musk about it. Hurt. Yeah, well. Uh, Miko Hardman, 54% rostered. That's uh, He scored a touchdown today. It, too high, too low, or just right? 54% rostered for Hardman. Sounds about right. All right. New Orleans 28, New England 13. Uh, Believe it or not, there's just nobody in New England that you should be using in fantasy. No. Using on a regular basis in fantasy? (laughs) I don't don't think I believe it. Did you see Damian Harris today? Oh, yeah, I saw Damian Harris today. Did you see Brandon Bolden today? I think you're going to use Damian Harris in the right matchups. Yes, but not like an every week guy. Because when they, I, I'm not, I don't have their schedule open right now. They play Tampa Bay this week, so you're probably yeah, not using any of them be. next week. Yeah. No. Well, obviously James White would be in play. We'll see his injury. Right. Um, I was encouraged by Jacoby Myers uptick in targets and catches, and I wonder if that's in direct correlation to James White being out. It's funny you say that because last year, James White's numbers were really much better the first three weeks of the season, and then Jacoby Myers became a thing. Um, mm-hmm. So they, you know, there's might be correlation there. Mac Jones, 51, 51 pass attempts for 270 yards. Yeesh. Yeah. Okay, Buffalo 43, Washington 21. Oh, man. Um, believe it or not, Taylor Heineke is going to be a streamable quarterback for most of the year. No, don't believe it. 23 and 24 fantasy points, but doesn't seem like he's playing very well in these two starts. But he's putting up some numbers, I guess. It's the Falcons next week. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm not yeah. going to believe it. I, I didn't believe it with Daniel Jones this week, and I don't believe it. No. Are you guys he worried won't, about he Mc, won't, McLaurin? He won't be a top 15 guy. Am I worried about McLaurin? A little bit. We kind of thought he might struggle here against the Bills. Four catches, 62 yards on seven, sure. on seven targets. As good as he was last week in this kind of game as his bad game against the Bills, seems like a number two wide receiver to me. I think this is yeah. the second time in three games he's had four catches for 62 yards. So, Yeah, it is. The, the problem is that we're, we're, we're taking all these guys that we were hoping to be number one receivers, and now we're saying they're number two receivers. We're, we're running out of number one receivers. Well, Cooper Cup's helping fill the void. Sure. He's going to be three of them. Um, I'd rather have Mike Williams than McLaurin. Is that crazy? Yeah, no. Mike Williams or Hopkins, rest of season. Oh, man. Probably Hopkins. Tough wood. All right, and uh, we talked a lot about the Bills earlier today. We talked about Devin Singletary and losers. We talked about Emmanuel Sanders and winners. And we talked about Stefan Diggs and buy or sell. Cole Beasley is also an option on the waiver wire, 62% rostered. Um, would you, real quick, would you drop John U. Smith for Dawson yes. Knox? 
I'll drop Jonu Smith for just about anybody. I haven't figured out who the top streamer is this week, but that's who I will drop Jonu Smith for. That's who you would. Okay, gotcha. Las Vegas 31, Miami 28. Uh, believe it or not, Derek Carr is going to lead the NFL in passing yards. <laughs> I don't uh, believe it. He, 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 I think he's got a shot. No, he he's is, not going to do that. He Come has on. 1,203 yards through three games. He's averaging 400 yards per game. He is on pace for 6,817 yards passing. He's thrown for over 300 yards in seven of his last eight games with multiple touchdowns in all seven of those games. And the eighth game where he didn't have over 300 yards and multiple touchdowns, he got hurt in in the first half and had to leave the game. He's been tremendous. My argument used to be that they can't run the football. They found a way to run the football late against Miami and Peyton, the beefcake barber, had himself (laughs) a game. But I don't know if they're going to be able to consistently do it. And so I, I think Derek Carr is going to have a, a lot of games where he's throwing, and um, I think he's got a shot. Heath. Yes, Heath. If you were in a league where, let's say, you've just been decimated by injuries, you drafted Christian McCaffrey in the first round of a 14-team league, and you, your running backs are really not very good, and you'd also drafted, I don't know, somebody like Elijah Moore as hey, your uh, you talk about me round wide receiver, would you drop Elijah Moore for Peyton Barber this week? Oh, I would drop Elijah Moore for anyone, but yes, I I would I would yes. Does that become the Peyton Barber Justin Jefferson? Yeah, that's that's. Yeah. Uh, did I do that? Is this? I didn't no. do that. No, but you might do it this week off the waiver wire. I think Jacobs could be back this week, so I think you know, buyer beware on, on sure. Peyton Barber. Uh, all right, guys, uh, let's uh, go. Yeah, I mean Derek Carr is making a case for himself as a must start guy. He and it's going back now. It's ten games going back to last year. He's just been. Really, really freaking good. Um, okay, one more thing here. Buy or sell. Miles mm, Gaskin is not a top 24 running back. I mean, he is, but not. He's in a good toward way. the bottom. Not in All a good right. way. Would you, rather have, would you rather have Gaskin or a Bills running back rest of season? Gaskin. I think I'd rather have Gaskin over Singletary and Moss. How about Javante um, but it's Williams? It's not really his fault. He's just not. He's not getting the work, and they're they're giving Malcolm Brown valuable touches near the goal line. Yes, he had a big run. I'm just annoyed by it. He was the goal line back, Malcolm Brown, and then the regulation there. Uh, they put him in the. They had first Dave, and goal. Go. From I, I I know it was Wildcat. He got in there. Twenty six nothing. Denver no, over. He didn't get in. There. I know that's right. It, it, Malcolm Brown got in goal, there. That. You know, set up the two point conversion for overtime. I know, I know. I'm trying. I'm sorry. I would you rather have Javante Williams or Miles Gaskin? I've never been closer to saying Williams over Gaskin. I'll say Williams right now. Would you rather have Melvin Gordon or Javante Williams? I think I'd rather have Javante with an eye toward the rest of the season. Anything else from this game, Heath? No, no. The Denver game, Denver Jets. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> no. Can we have an in-depth conversation on Corey Davis? Cortland Sutton sucked. Five catches, 37 go, yards. Go add Corey Davis if anybody drops him. I did. And offer the worst team and your worst player on your bench for Corey Davis. I do think he's a buy low. He's still getting a ton of target share, and he gets the Titans and the Falcons in his next two games. Okay. Minnesota 30, Seattle 17. Yeah, um, believe it or not, Tyler Lockett's 
only going to be a mid-range number two wide receiver rest of the year. No, I don't believe that. Ah, he'll be he'll be great. He'll be swell. No, he's awesome. Uh, believe it or not, uh, Tyler Conklin matters. Seven catches, seventy yards, and a touchdown for the Vikings tight end, and he had an almost touchdown too. He almost only on scores. weeks where KJ Osborne doesn't. <laughs> right. If if this seemed like a matchup specific type thing, because the first two weeks of the season, Conklin played a lot but didn't get a lot of targets. Okay, we'll see if the 49ers running backs can catch passes on the Seahawks. They really can't defend running backs in the passing game, but that's not exactly San Francisco's forte. Six catches, 59 yards for Madison. Last game, Rams 34, Bucks 20. The Rams have never lost under Sean McVay when they've led at halftime. It is wild. Uh, 34-20 to score. Go ahead, Heath. Closest, believe it or not, poll, poll of the season so far. Believe it or not, Giovanni Bernard will be the best Tampa Bay running back in PPR rest of season. This was what we were hoping for when we were telling everybody to take Geo in round 10 plus. Uh, I don't think I believe it. I'm going to take Fournette. And you're sorry, yeah, it was 34-24, not 34-20. Mm. See results. Would cop out. All right, yeah, it's uh, it's it's it was close, but now people, believe it or not, not is pulling not, away. Not is winning. Just about 50% to 44. Yeah. Uh, who wants to start a Bucks running back? They're not going to be trailing like this in all-out hurry-up mode. For we've got like seven half. teams that we would say that about now. But this this one in particular, who the hell wants to start a Bucks okay. running back? You would, you would rather start a Bucks running back than a Jets running back. I would rather start Tyson Williams than any Bucks running back. You would rather start a Bucks running back than a Bills running back, wouldn't you? No, I don't think I'll, so. Well, I'll talk to you next week. <laughs> 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 no, I, I'm serious. I mean. How many? I don't think they have a single rushing touchdown this year, do they? The Tom Bu- Brady had a rushing touchdown. No, today. the Bucks running backs. So did Godwin. The the Bucks running backs. I don't think they have a single rushing touchdown unless there was one in Week One. Yeah, but they're going to. I know they will, but dude, Tom Brady's going to throw six touchdowns at New England next week. Right. Um, by the way, Jalen Ramsey did not shadow Mike Evans, and he had eight catches for 106 yards, and he was started in 89 percent of leagues. Bravo. We talked about Robert Woods. Cooper Cup, damn Stafford with a huge game, 37 points. Brady, 30 points. I don't think there's anything here. I mean, I think everything is the same. Does Giovanni Bernard not have any carries this year? Zero. Yeah, zero. Zero carries. That's something. All right. Good show, guys. Thank you. Great stuff. Thanks for hanging out. I know it was a long one. Appreciate it to all of you who are watching and listening. And we will talk to you Monday. We got the mid-afternoon statsy kind of fun show with me, Chris Towers, and Jacob Gibbs. You will enjoy it. Talk to you then. See ya. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.